We all know and love the story of Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, especially as told by Michael Shera in his famous novel Killer Angels. The professor turned colonel from Maine, who charged down Little Round Top, securing the Union left flank at Gettysburg and perhaps saving the entire war for the North. We are all probably less familiar, however, with Chamberlain's wounding and near death at Petersburg less than a year later. While leading his men in a charge against a heavily fortified Confederate position, Chamberlain was struck in the right hip. The bullet splintered his hip bone, cutting into his bladder and urethra before it lodged just behind his left hip joint. Chamberlain endured many painful surgeries and eventually succumbed to his wound, 50 years later. In this episode of the Capital District Civil War Roundtable podcast, Dr. Matt Farina, a retired pediatric cardiologist and member of the Capital District Civil War Roundtable, talked about Chamberlain's wound and the medical treatment he received. Our interview picks up after I asked Dr. Farina how he became interested in Chamberlain's medical history. I joined the uh, roundtable, I think it was back in 1989, uh, when I saw uh, an article in the, uh, uh, the Times Union that uh, uh, Ed Bars was uh, going to be speaking to the roundtable. So I went to a meeting uh, uh, and uh, joined, uh, uh, and uh, Chamberlain had always been a... Uh, uh, person that I was interested in. Uh, so when I began to think about putting together uh, a presentation uh, to do uh, for uh, Members' Night, uh, you know, Potpourri Night, uh, uh, I looked at uh, both uh, Stonewall Jackson and Joshua Chamberlain, and I uh, did uh, put together uh, medical presentations uh, uh, Somewhat light in the medicine, and, you, know, I, you know. I didn't want these uh, to be presentations that would be presented to a group of uh, physicians only, but that would appeal to a, a general Civil War audience. Uh, so I put one together on uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson and one on uh, Joshua Chamberlain. They make kind of uh, very interesting bookends uh, because uh, you know Jackson, statistically at least, should have uh, survived his wound. Uh, and Chamberlain statistically should have died of his wounds. Uh, uh, both men were professors. Uh, uh, one was the, uh, uh, the, the trained soldier. Uh, the Chamberlain uh, is the classic, I think, citizen soldier. Uh, uh, both had profound effects uh, on uh, uh, their armies and uh, what they did. Uh, Jackson's uh, death uh, was significant to, to Lee uh, and deprived Lee of uh, one of his most aggressive uh, commanders. Uh, uh, Chamberlain's uh, survival uh, and his uh, being chosen uh, as uh, uh, the general to handle the surrender of uh, uh, Lee's army's uh, battle flags and weapons at Appomattox uh, uh, you know, has uh, has a profound effect on, on many people. So they were they were fascinating to contrast. Uh, right, right, right. And so that's why I did them. Um, so uh, and and we're going to talk a lot about the wound and the treatment that Chamberlain received. Like you said, is something that he should have never survived from. Um, but if you could sort of, if we could step back for a second in uh, place, uh, set the scene. Uh, 1864, uh, it's the spring uh, or early summer, uh, Petersburg. Can you talk about the a little bit about the importance of Petersburg before we sort of get into the wounding of Chamberlain? Sure. Uh, well, a- after Cold Harbor, uh, Grant uh, and Lee were kind of at a, at a stalemate, uh, uh, and Grant came up with the... Uh, the concept of uh, uh, pulling the army out uh, and instead of uh, trying to sidle north to, to Richmond, which is what Lee kind of expected him to do, uh, Grant came up with the concept of uh, moving the army across the, uh, the James River uh, uh, to a, a point of land uh, uh, south of Richmond uh, and uh, uh, near Petersburg, uh, uh, and move quickly on Petersburg, uh, uh, cutting off Petersburg as uh, a main uh, rail and road link uh, to Richmond uh, from the Carolinas, uh, uh, interfering with uh, uh, food supply, for example. Uh, uh, 
so that that was the concept behind Grant's uh, move. Uh, uh, and he does this, and, and Lee is uh, still somewhat uh, stymied, uh, doesn't uh, realize uh, that uh, Grant is uh, pulling out, and he suspects Grant is still going to move north, uh, so Lee stays uh, uh, positioned where he is. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the uh, the plan begins to fall apart uh, uh, due to uh, delays, uh, and the uh, uh, those delays result uh, in a delay on the assault on Richmond, excuse me, on, on Petersburg uh, itself. Uh, and that uh, 24-hour delay that occurs uh, in that 24 hours, uh, Lee uh, begins to realize that uh, Grant uh, has pulled a move on him, and Lee quickly begins to disengage from his position uh, at uh, Cold Harbor and, and send uh, a troop reinforcements uh, uh, south to Petersburg. Petersburg at this point is probably being defended by perhaps a total of uh, 2,500 Confederates uh, uh, and a very, very thin line. Uh, uh, but that, uh, uh, due to delays, the assault should have been on June 17th uh, and may very well have been successful uh, in severing the, uh, the link there. But uh, on the morning of the 18th, uh, 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 portions of Lee's army began to quickly move into the uh, lightly defended uh, trenches uh, uh, around Petersburg that uh, uh, have been uh, constructed. And by the time uh, the assault begins in the after the Union assault begins in the afternoon, uh, the trenches uh, at that portion of the line, at least, uh, are fully manned. And what? Uh, and then, how does Chamberlain fit into this? He he is on the front line at this point, uh, uh, June eighteenth, eighteen sixty four, and he's given orders. What are his initial orders, uh, and what's his reaction? Well, uh, initially, uh, the the night be, the uh, night before, uh, uh, he uh, had a, uh, a premonition that uh, uh, he was uh, going to be wounded or killed. Uh, uh, and uh, in, in making his uh, usual rounds in the evening, uh, uh, in a sense, helping to bed his uh, troops down, uh, he begins to say goodbyes uh, uh, to some of his uh, favorite officers, uh, and he stops by General Griffin's uh, tent. Uh, uh, he's in uh, Griffin's division. He's, he now commands the uh, first brigade, known as the Keystone Brigade, uh, in the uh, Griffin's uh, division, and uh, he and Griffin have uh, uh, established a, a, a very good relationship, uh, and he tells Griffin, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I come to thank you for all the kindnesses you've given me, uh, and to say goodbye. And Griffin says, "Well, what do you mean?" Uh, and uh, Chamberlain uh, uh, says uh, that he, he's had this premonition that uh, uh, he will come come this way no more. Uh, uh, and Griffin says, you know, you're, you're, you're crazy. You're just, uh, you know, you've been unnerved. And, and Chamberlain says, no, no, I'm not. Uh, uh, I will do tomorrow uh, exactly what I need to do. Uh, later, uh, Griffin, uh, in this conversation, decides, uh, well, uh, uh, you are, I've, I've spoken with uh, my, my superior, Warren, uh, the Corps commander, uh, and we've both decided that uh, you've been fighting hard. Uh, we're not going to put uh, your uh, brigade into action. You you will be the reserve. Uh, so he's not supposed to be involved in the engagement. Uh, uh, but as Chamberlain points out, well, uh, the reserve uh, is held in reserve uh, uh, to be thrown in uh, when the line collapses uh, or must sacrifice itself to save the army. Uh, and Griffin says, you know, tries to say, no, no, this this won't this won't happen. Well, on the 18th, uh, uh, the Confederates have uh, moved a battery of artillery forward from their uh, position, and uh, that battery is uh, effectively shelling uh, Union positions as uh, men are getting into position to make their assault. Uh, and uh, uh, Griffin uh, rides up to Chamberlain and says. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, I didn't want this to happen, but uh, uh, I need you to uh, warn uh, 
it's not a direct order. He kind of says, uh, uh, "Will you uh, assault uh, that uh, uh, that battery and uh, and push it back or try to capture it?" Uh, uh, and uh, Chamberlain accepts the task. Uh, uh, so he and his brigade then move out to, uh, to uh, go after this uh, battery, which is a, about a mile in front of where the Union line is forming. Uh, so he's successful in uh, uh, driving the battery off. Uh, the battery leaves before they can uh, reach the, the ground that they're positioned on. Uh, and... Uh, he loses the opportunity to try and capture that battery. But uh, when he gets out there, uh, he realizes that he's about a mile in front of the main Union line and uh, uh, is receiving shell fire from the uh, main Confederate line and from a fort off to his uh, left, Fort Mahone. Uh, and so he has his men basically uh, uh, dig in on the reverse slope there uh, uh, and are just uh, waiting there. And is this is this where uh, he does, he soon gets an order or, or or um I might be wrong in my sequence uh, sequence of events here, Matt, but does he then get an order to charge the fort in front of him? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, a, a lieutenant uh, colonel comes riding up uh, uh, from uh, he doesn't know from whose headquarters because he does not uh, recognize uh, this officer, uh, uh, and. Uh, the officer tells him that uh, the general, and doesn't say which general, and that was one of the one of the uh, uh, debates that's gone on over the years is, uh, you know, was this General Meade or General Warren or General Grant? Uh, but uh, uh, most, I think, have concluded that uh, the the order probably came from Meade. Uh, but uh, he's told that the general wants him uh, to assault. Uh, the fortifications uh, in front of him, and uh, you know, Chamberlain realizes, uh, you know, he's he's only got about uh, uh, two thousand men with him in his uh, in his brigade, uh, uh, and he's in a bad position, and he's uh, bracketed by artillery fire from the front and from uh, actually both flanks, uh, uh, and that uh, any move uh, out uh, from that position uh, would be suicidal. Uh, so he sends uh, this officer back with a message uh, to the general saying, uh, the general doesn't know of my position at this time, right. uh, uh, and that uh, that an assault uh, uh, would be uh, uh, you know, detrimental to, you know, to my brigade. Uh, uh, and he kind of adds that, uh, uh, not expecting this, but uh, if an assault is to be made, it should be made by you know, nothing less than the whole army, some, something right, right. to that extent. Uh, uh, and uh, the officer goes off, and Chamberlain realizes at this point, my God, I've just told the general of the <laughs> army, uh, <laughs> you know, to, uh, you know, to, to bug off. Yep, yep. Uh, and, he, and he expects to be relieved of uh, command immediately. Uh, uh, and the, office, the same officer returns uh, uh, a short while later and says, uh, the general says, you're right, uh, 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 you know, I, I didn't know the position and uh, I understand the situation that you're in, but an assault will be made by the entire army, uh, but because of your advanced position, uh, you will be the, the guide unit. Uh, so you, you will lead the assault uh, and uh, the rest of the army will you know, focus on your position. Uh, so uh, Chamberlain is somewhat uh, relieved that he's not been relieved, uh, uh, and is willing to take this task, even though uh, it's a suicidal one. Right. So, so, uh, so they there's uh, a coordinated attack, and as you said, Chamberlain and his brigade takes. Well, the, it's a, it's supposed to be a, co- a coordinated, to be a coordinated attack. attack. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so, and, and Chamberlain takes the lead, and in doing some research, I I see that there's a lot of debate about wh- you know where Chamberlain actually was. Uh, when he was wounded, but can you can you just sort of um, uh, again paint the picture of uh, what Chamberlain is doing at the time he's wounded, and sort of that immediate aftermath? Yeah, the, uh, he the the assault begins, and he, and he uh, uh, he positions himself. Uh, uh, I think initially uh, between his first line, which consists of his. Uh, experienced regiments, and then the 187th uh, 
is a brand new uh, uh, regiment that's been formed out of uh, uh, by a full regiment. Uh, there are somewhere between 800 and 1,000 men in this regiment. So this late in the war to have a full regiment uh, uh, come forward is unusual. But this is their uh, this is their first uh, uh, main battle. So that's his uh, second line. He initially positions himself uh, be- between the uh, the two, but uh, somewhere along the way it appears that he, he actually moves uh, uh, out front uh, uh, with his uh, with his first rank. Uh, uh, his uh, color bearer, who's uh, carrying uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Maltese uh, cross of uh, of uh, First Division, uh, a, re- a red cross on a, on a white flag, uh, white triangular flag. Uh, his color bearer shot, so he grabs uh, the flag. And about this time, they come to kind of like a small uh, uh, stream. Uh, and uh, uh, as he looks across the stream, he sees uh, kind of a swampy uh, area. Uh, so he leaps across the stream, and he doesn't want his men to become bogged down in the swampy area. He wants them to oblique more to the left. Uh, uh, so with a sword in one hand and the flag in the other, as, as he describes it, uh, uh, he starts to, uh, above the, the din of uh, cannon fire and, and musket fire, uh, uh, he starts to uh, signal with his sword for his men to begin to oblique uh, to, the, uh, to the left. Uh, and as he says, he, he has uh, turned his right side uh, to the enemy, and it's about at this time that uh, he feels... Uh, uh, a, heart, a sharp, hot flash in the middle of his back, uh, uh, as if he had been uh, uh, hit in the back by uh, either shell fire or, uh, or musket fire. And that's his first concern uh, that he was shot in the back. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as he writes, as he writes later, I don't, I don't know if he thought about it at the time or he thought about it afterwards. Uh, 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 but he he writes that uh, uh, you know, shot in the back. Uh, uh, usually, if you're shot in the back, you're fleeing the enemy. And and he thinks, what will my mother think? Uh, uh, you know, his son was uh, shot in the back, fleeing the enemy. Uh, but the uh, go ahead. He quickly realizes, though, that uh, he wasn't shot in the back because he. He sees that his his boots have already filled up with blood. Um, yeah, he uh, the the the, uh, the hit uh, in a sense uh, uh, stops him cold in his tracks, uh, and he he jabs his sword into the ground and is still holding the the flag. So he's kind of got, uh, but you know the the, the flag staff is is uh, also on the ground. So so he's kind of uh, holding himself up between his uh, sword. Uh, and the uh, the flagstaff, uh, uh, and you know, his first rank is is, is uh, past him, and his second rank uh, is uh, uh, about a uh, at, at this point it's probably one to two hundred feet uh, behind the first rank. They started out a uh, uh, hundred yards uh, between the two ranks, but the, his second rank is probably catching up to his first rank, uh, and. Uh, uh, he he also thinks if I fall here, the you know my men will lose heart for the attack. Uh, so he kind of uh, you know anchors himself there until a second rank uh, uh, passes through him, and then he kind of sags uh, to the ground. Now while he's standing there, yeah, he he looks down and he sees blood squirting out of his right side uh, in the, in the in the hip region, and he begins to realize you know I've, I've been hit in the front, not in the not not in the back. Uh, and blood is running down, and he's uh, he's got cavalry boots on. Uh, he had uh, his horse had been uh, killed earlier in the in the day while he was getting his men into position to attack the uh, uh, the, the the cannon position. Uh, so he's wearing cavalry boots, and that uh, uh, his right boot, at least, has filled up to to the top, uh, and blood is uh, overflowing uh, the boot. Now he he initially refuses treatment. He thinks it's a lost cause, and he uh, he says that there are other men that can be saved. But um, that that's correct. Uh, what, so what what happens next? Uh, um, I, you know, an interesting question. I, I I've seen this um, uh, raised a couple times. 
he lost so much blood initially that it lowered his blood pressure. And I heard, uh, I read a few people claim that that might have actually saved them. In my mind, I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, w- w- what's your take on that? Well, uh, <coughs> the blood pressure drops uh, if, you, if you've lost a lot of blood. Uh, 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 and in response to that, uh, you get a constriction of uh, blood vessels to, to, to non-vital areas. And the non-vital areas are going to be your skin and your, actually your muscle mass. Yeah. Uh, uh, the body's uh, protective mechanisms uh, is to pre- preserve uh, uh, blood flow to the brain, uh, to the heart, and to the kidneys in particular. Uh, so with a drop in pressure like that, uh, uh, there's, a, there's an outpouring of your stress hormone, uh, adrenaline, uh, uh, and that causes uh, the arteries to clamp down. Uh, so you decrease the blood flow to these non-vital areas uh, to maintain a, an adequate uh, central pressure. Uh, so if bleeding is from a peripheral artery, you know, like if you had a, uh, a leg wound, uh, uh, the blood, blood flow from the leg will be diminished and therefore blood flow uh, uh, from that uh, uh, artery, uh, you know, will, will decrease. Uh, so that's that's one mechanism for extremity wounds. Uh, but if you have uh, uh, torso wounds, uh, uh, that uh, that's less effective. Now there may be some small arteries that would constrict that would decrease flow. The other thing that occurs uh, is uh, as blood pressure also drops, uh, uh, the clotting. A clot that may be attempting to form and being washed away by you know by blood let's say gushing from a from an arterial wound uh, uh, the with the drop in pressure there's uh, less leakage of blood in, uh, from that wound and so a clot begins to form and the clot may actually begin to also seal off blood loss mm. certainly through veins uh, and if the clot is in a particular area they actually uh, uh, compress the artery somewhat, like uh, somewhat like a tourniquet, uh, to decrease blood loss. Uh, but uh, abdominal wounds, torso wounds, uh, chest wounds, uh, usually that mechanism doesn't come into play. Right, right. So, so he, uh, even though he refuses the treatment at first, um, he is taken to the field hospital, and the wound is uh, examined, I mean, rather uh, brutally. Uh, can you talk about what what was discovered and what that initial treatment was? Well, uh, uh, I think uh, Dr. Everett is the, is the first to see him uh, when, he, when he's uh, finally brought back uh, uh, to a field hospital where they can look at him. And uh, the, the, the location of the wound uh, in the... Uh, uh, in the groin region, uh, well, actually, in, in front of the hip, uh, with with the with the, you know the the amount of blood that he's lost, uh, uh, usually that type of wound is uh, uh, is uh, fatal. So, uh, you know, the, the surgeon Everett uh, and several other surgeons there are kind of discussing among themselves, uh, you know, what should we do? He's an he's an officer, you know, he's uh, uh, you know, should we should you attempt something or just uh, you know put him aside? To, a form of uh, triage, uh, in that you know we can we can give us something for pain, uh, uh, but we're not going to do anything uh, 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 surgically. Uh, uh, they uh, the the wound is uh, is packed uh, to, to also try and stop the bleeding uh, uh, with a, a ram a ramrod is uh, is used to to basically uh, uh, see if they could uh, first find the bullet. Uh, 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 but uh, the bullet will be re- will be removed somewhat later. It's the bullet has uh, passed uh, uh, through the pelvis uh, and uh, is just uh, under the skin behind the uh, behind the left hip. Uh, uh, but my guess is that uh, you know some some lint uh, or or bandage packing was packed in the wound uh, at, the, at the entrance point. Uh, uh, to just basically staunch the bleeding, and that was probably packed in with you know with this ramrod because this this will need to be removed afterwards when Shaw and Townsend, uh, uh, the two doctors that operate on him, uh, come on the scene. 
right. So so in uh, he he is he so he he spends a a period of time uh maybe a, a few hours or it's into the night that he's at the field hospital and then like you said uh I think it's Doctor Abner Shaw and another Doctor Townsend arrive with Chamberlain's brother Tom. And that's correct. They, yep. th- and and they they uh, initially think it's a lost cause too, but at, at some point there, at least from my reading of it, there was some hope. What 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 happened? What did they see that gave them some hope? Well, the the fact that he wasn't dead yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably the main thing. I mean, he's he's probably hit somewhere around let's say three thirty. The, the attack begins at three p.m. in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. He's probably hit maybe somewhere around uh, three fifteen, three thirty, and he lies on the field uh, uh, for approximately an hour uh, before the stretcher bearers uh, from Bigelow's uh, battery, uh, you know, uh, c- uh, come to uh, retrieve him. And and he's he's lying there, you know, probably slowly oozing in blood into the into the ground. He he comments uh, fifty years later. Uh, uh, when he was, uh, someone was talking to him about his wounding, he says, uh, "I am not of Virginia's blood; she is of mine." Uh, <laughs> which, which, which is a statement that only Chamberlain could express that way. Right. Uh, so, 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 you know. So then he's brought back to you know to behind Bigelow's battery, uh, uh, and it's uh, there's another time gap before an ambulance comes up and and transports him back. To the field hospital, uh, and then he's uh, the wound is packed. Uh, uh, Everett and the other surgeons decide they're not going to do anything. Uh, 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 and Tom, who is uh, I think with the uh, uh, with the uh, the one fiftieth uh, uh, Pennsylvania regiment at that point, hears of his brother's wounding, and and uh, uh, the, he goes and he finds uh, uh, Shaw. Shaw is with the twentieth Maine, which is not part of. Uh, of uh, uh, Chamberlain's uh, brigade at this point, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I think uh, uh, Shaw probably gets Townsend, who's with the 44th uh, uh, New York uh, Regiment. Uh, so they're probably at at the field, maybe at the same field hospital, but uh, maybe at a different section of it, uh, 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 since it's all uh, this is all Fifth Corps at this point. Uh, uh, and so they get there. So a number of hours have passed, and he's not died. Uh, so that, I think, is probably one f- one important factor that makes them consider doing something ab- about this one, or at least seeing if there's something that can be done about it. What What do they? What do they? I mean, what do they see? What is the wound? I mean, like it, it went through. Well, they, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, the, uh, the the bullet enters uh, uh, just in front of the right hip, so that the the entry point is there. Uh, and, and in many respects, uh, uh, Ch- Chamberlain has two magic bullet wounds, and this is this is the this is the first one. The the two bullet wounds he receives at uh, Gettysburg are are minor. He you know, has a bullet that ricochets near his foot and, and gives him a slight foot injury, and there's one that hits him in his uh, in his uh, scabbard. Uh, at uh, Little Round Top, that uh, uh, dents the scabbard but doesn't doesn't penetrate him, uh, and you know gives him a sore leg and a bent scabbard, to, so he he has difficulty taking the sword out. But this this bullet uh, enters in front of the right hip. It passes through a big opening in the pelvis uh, through which uh, uh, muscles uh, uh, pass. Uh, uh, if if you ever look at a, a bony uh, uh, skeleton and you look at the pelvis, uh, they're kind of like two big eyes, one on the right, one on the left side, and that's where uh, 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 muscles that attach into the back uh, of the pelvic bone pass in into the hip to anchor, you know, anchor the hip uh, 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 and uh, down into the into the uh, the femur. Uh, but also passing through that uh, is uh, a sheath that contains the femoral artery, the main artery to the leg, the femoral vein, the main venous return from the leg, and the femoral nerve, the main activation uh, of uh, uh, of the muscles uh, uh, and uh, all the nerves in the leg. Uh, so 
it, it, it uh, splinters some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, hip bone uh, as it enters. It misses the the, the sheath there, the containing uh, the vein, artery, and the nerve, uh, uh, and then the, crosses uh, through the floor of the pelvis, uh, and somewhere near the bladder neck, it either uh, uh, and, and, and it's unclear what exactly Shaw did. And I'll come to that uh, back to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it injures uh, the uh, urethra where it attaches to the bladder neck. Uh, so from the bladder neck, uh, the urethra, uh, which is where urine passes out uh, into the the, uh, the penis and out, uh, and the prostate surrounds that uh, that. Uh, a junction point there. So the bullet goes through that area and whether it completely severs uh, the urethra off the bladder neck or or partially severs it or uh, you know, comes close to it and, and injures it is, is unclear uh, and then continues uh, uh, out on the other side, passes behind the, uh, uh, the left uh, uh, hip and lodges uh, in the skin. And where it passes behind the left hip, the sciatic nerve, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, the, uh, the nerve that will break down into the femoral nerve uh, a few inches uh, further downstream, uh, uh, the sciatic nerve also activates uh, uh, a number of uh, muscles and sensory points uh, uh, you know, w- uh, within the uh, pelvic cavity. The bullet passes close to that, but doesn't damage it. Uh, but I think the bullet passing close to that is the shock that he feels in his back. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that makes him think that he's hit in the back. Because uh, uh, you know, the, the wound is obviously nowhere near the back. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's in front of the, the, the right hip. But, but right, I think right. the bullet passing close to the sciatic nerve uh, is the, and the shockwave w- with the bullet uh, is what gives him the sensation that he was uh, shot in the back. Right, uh, right. Uh, so the the bullet misses veins, the the main artery, uh, uh, the main vein to the you know, to the leg, the main nerve to the leg uh, misses the sciatic nerve on the uh, left side. Uh, uh, does not penetrate the colon, which is also in that in that area a little bit more posteriors. Uh, so. Uh, if it hit any of those uh, those major vessels or nerves, he would have either been paralyzed, massively hemorrhaged uh, to death, or would have developed uh, peritonitis and uh, uh, died of overwhelming infection. So it's a somewhat magic bullet in that sense. Uh, if you had to fire a bullet into the pelvis, this would be one of the safe routes to take. Right, wow. Um, do they... Um do they operate on him there at the field, field hospital? Yeah, and they, it's it, uh, uh, there are uh, there are no reports uh, in the uh, uh, large uh, compendium of uh, wounds that's reported after the war. The the surgical and medical history of the War of the Rebellion. Uh, Chamberlain's case is there. In that uh, compendium, right? But but it's not a description uh, of his wounding uh, or a description of what was done, and that may uh, there may be some intentional sure. purpose yeah. in not putting it there. Uh, all, all that's described uh, is uh, the, the complication of a brass catheter that was left in place for a long period of time, and there's a line drawing uh, of the catheter there showing uh, calcification on the catheter uh, from calcium that's in the urine that precipitates uh, out on the, uh, you know, on the catheter. Uh, and it, it's literally it's, uh, one or two lines describing this and it comments about uh, Colonel JLC. Uh, and, and, and that's it. Uh, it's... What, uh, what is kind of implied from, from, from uh, what is, uh, is available is that the the wound was cleaned, uh, bone fragments were pulled out, uh, the the uh, uh, the packing that was put in, whether it be lint or bandage, was was removed. Uh, uh, 
the bullet was felt on the left side and, and an incision was made in the skin, the bullet retrieved, and, you know, and the bullet is in the uh, the uh, Bowdoin College uh, muse- uh, uh, Museum uh, library, in, the, in the library, uh, so you can, you can actually look at the bullet. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, they attach something back together, implying it's the urethra that's, that's, that's reattached. So whether it's a, a partial separation of the urethra or a total separation, uh, it's, it's, sewn, it's sewn back together. Now, uh, I think I mentioned this in my email to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Desjardin uh, uh, grew up in, in Maine, about 20 miles from, uh, uh, from Bowdoin College. Uh, uh, and he uh, has always been uh, interested in Chamberlain, and he wrote a book uh, on Chamberlain, a, a biography of, of, of Chamberlain. And Chamberlain and Shaw uh, had been uh, friends from the 20th Maine, uh, but uh, after Chamberlain left the Army, Shaw was his physician. And, and Shaw was with him. He saw Shaw regularly. Shaw got him through uh, many of the uh, recurrent infections uh, right. that he had. Uh, Shaw was... Uh, he was more than a physician. He was a, a, cl- a close personal friend, and I suspect that uh, you know, Shaw um, made extensive notes ab- about uh, you know, what actually was done, and that this Jardin had an opportunity to see those notes, uh, and those notes may be in the the Shaw family collection, so to speak. Uh, uh, they've they've never been published. Uh, 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 but what made me, what convinced me that uh, this Jardin had seen something that no one else has seen uh, was what he told me uh, at a, after a conference. Uh, uh, each year, the Vermont Roundtable has uh, what they call a full-duty banquet uh, uh, up in Montpelier, and all the roundtables in Vermont uh, attend this. Uh, and uh, one particular year, Des Jardin was the guest speaker. Uh, and Sue Noss from our roundtable had arranged for a busload of us up uh, to go up uh, 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 Saturday during the day. Uh, we the banquet was Saturday night. We stayed at the hotel overnight. Uh, had a tour uh, Sunday morning, and then the bus returned. But Saturday night after the banquet, uh, a small group of us uh, went across the street uh, from the hotel to a bar that was opened. Uh, uh, it was Tom Desjard, myself, Sue Nost, uh, uh, Joe Cucuzzo, uh, and several others. And, 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 and after several beers, we got, you know, <laughs> got talking about uh, uh, Chamberlain as well. The, uh, Desjardin did not speak about Chamberlain. He, he spoke about uh, 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 the, the, the Civil War in modern times, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, this was one of, the, one of his cans talks that he gave about uh, uh, you know, the dolls that have been created, uh, 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 action figures you know, from the Civil War, uh, that even showed a Civil War Barbie doll. Uh, that he, <laughs> he had, he had. So, so his talk was, was on that. So it was, a, it was a light talk on that. It was not about Chamberlain. But uh, uh, after several beers, he got talking about Chamberlain. Uh, and I had made the comment that uh, 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 I think... Uh, Michael Shera was planning on a second book uh, uh, after after Killer Angels uh, uh, because yeah, I got it right here in the book Killer Angels, uh, uh, you know, which takes place all at uh, all at Gettysburg. Uh, uh, let, let, let me read this sure. to you. And this is really how how I start my talks. Uh, uh, so you know, so after the uh, the charge, uh, Buster Kilrain, who's the uh, uh, the fictional sergeant in the 20th Maine is wounded, uh, but uh, Chamberlain seeks out his favorite uh, uh, sergeant, and he, and he says, uh, and this is, these are the, this is on the book now, Buster, how you doing, you old Mick? And how are you, Colonel Darlin, this fine day? I tried to do it with my Irish brogue. Uh, <laughs> to Tozier, the color sergeant who was administering aid to Buster, Chamberlain said, how is that? Tozier shrugged, it's an arm. By God, Chamberlain said, I think you'll live. Kilrain blinked hazily. Only an arm. Got to lose something. Might as well be an arm. 
can part with that easier than the other mechanics of nature. And that's right, the truth. Right. right. He was blurring. He stretched his eyes. He used to worry about that, you know. Only thing ever worried, really, losing wrong part. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, Corrine is talking about a pelvic wound. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and since this is, uh, uh, my, uh, Jeff Shera spoke uh, to our roundtable uh, at... Uh, 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 when, when his movie uh, Killer Angels, uh, excuse me, when his movie uh, Gods and Generals came out, uh, uh, and 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 he shared with the audience that uh, his father uh, wrote himself into the story the Killer Angels as a fictional character. So Michael Shera is Buster Kilrain. Mm-hmm. He writes himself in as the sergeant, uh, and so I think he's he's talking to Chamberlain and, and telling Chamberlain about the wound that uh, you know. I'm worried about, uh, and Chamberlain mm-hmm. will suffer that wound, uh, you know, a, a, a year a year later. Well, anyway, uh, uh, what Jardin says, uh, you know, so I, I, I commented on that, uh, uh, and Jardin says, well, he says, uh, 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 halfway through the operation, uh, 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 Chamberlain was now in, in great discomfort. He's been giving repeated doses of... Uh, of uh, uh, chloroform to you know kind of deaden the pain, but it's it's not deep anesthesia that's used. It's it's basically similar to conscious sedation, uh, like you were going to have uh, you know colonoscopy or something like that. Uh, and uh, 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 he's extremely uncomfortable, and he has to, he has the void. He's got a he's got a distended uh, bladder, uh, and uh, uh, Deschardins says. Uh, uh, so what they did was to make a stab wound at the at the base of the shaft of the penis, and insert a glass catheter uh, into the bladder. Uh, and I said, glass catheter, and he said, glass catheter, not a brass wow. catheter, but a glass wow. glass catheter uh, uh, to evacuate the uh, the urine the urine from the bladder. Now, for him to make that comment, he had to have read something. Uh, that someone wrote about what was actually done surgically, wow. uh, and I think that had to be Shaw that uh, you know wrote about this, not to not to ever be published, sure. but he wrote about it, uh, uh, you know, so that uh, he you know he documented what what was done. Wow! Uh, so, don't forget the cesarean operations. You know, go back to uh, Roman you know uh, Roman times, uh, uh, cesareans. Uh, you know, were done as a last-ditch uh, attempt to save the fetus when the mother was dying or, or actually actually died. <clears throat> and so the, the concept of uh, making a, a low incision uh, in the abdomen to get into the uterus in, in, in females, uh, but, you know, by, by the time we're in the 19th uh, century, cesareans are being done with women surviving uh, them. No, no longer as a last-ditch attempt uh, but to deliver a baby that uh, uh, has has become obstructed in the, in, in in the birth canal, uh, uh, so uh, in in effect, uh, you know, the, uh, there is there was in the medical literature information on how to do a cesarean, uh, and when you make that low incision uh, in the in the pelvic region like that, in a male and uh, in a female, you're you're looking at the bladder first. And the uterus in the female just pushes down on the bladder. But in a male, uh, you know, you're right in that area. So they very well could have done an abdominal incision there uh, to repair uh, and reattach uh, the urethra to the to the bladder neck. Uh, uh, Chamberlain goes on to have uh, four more operations in the eight, there's, there's one in the early 1865 uh, that's done in Philadelphia by. Uh, Pancost uh, surgeon at uh, uh, I think he's at Thomas Jefferson at that point. Pancost uh, as a surgeon and his, his son was also a surgeon. Pancost is uh, one of the top surgeons in the United States at at that point, uh, and he has some type of surgery done by Pancost uh, that uh, in in, the, in January of 1865. Uh, he goes. He goes back. Chamberlain goes uh, uh, back five months after the wounding 
so he's he's wounded in June. In November, he's back on the battlefield, but he can barely walk. He can barely mount a horse. He can barely sit in a saddle. And so in January, he's, he again takes a short leave of absence, goes to Philadelphia, has some other surgical procedure done there. And after that, he can walk, he can ride a horse, and he can sit in a, in a, in a, in a, in a saddle. Wow. So he has that in 1865. He has one uh, uh, at... Uh, um, in Boston, uh, actually, I think there was the other, yeah, or one in New York City. I don't know the exact timing of these. Uh, in 1875, and another one in 1885, and I think the last one in 1889. What, what was uh, his? What I mean, what did he? Uh, how, what was his life like uh, with this wound? I mean, did he have to use a catheter the rest of his life? I, uh, no. Uh, uh, he, he didn't. Uh, he didn't have to use a catheter, uh, but he, uh, as a consequence of all all this, either from the wound or from the uh, uh, possibly the stab wound that uh, the surgeons created to put in the glass catheter, uh, uh, you know, in, into the urethra and back into the bladder neck at that point. Uh, uh, but he had a fistula at that point. Uh, now, fistula is just an abnormal communication between the outside and some internal organ. And the internal organ in this case was the urethra. So, so he had constant uh, dribbling of urine. The the bullet in passing through that area, uh, through the through the bladder neck, would destroy all the nerves in that area, or the nerves would be damaged by scar tissue afterwards uh, uh, from bleeding as well as the surgery and infection. Uh, so, uh, he would be impotent. Uh, he would have no bladder control, so he would have pretty much constant dribbling or leakage. Uh, and, and one of the things that, that I think has been reported is the fact that uh, he basically had to wear diapers the rest of his life. Right, uh, right. Uh, uh, he had recurrent uh, urinary tract infections. Uh, that uh, uh, He had recurrent bladder infections. Uh, he had recurrent episodes of prostatitis. Uh, he had periods of time where his testicles would become uh, painful and swollen. Uh, uh, and he he refers to all these things as his war tokens. Uh, right, right. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, he hated taking narcotics, uh, so he basically kind of endured this pain. Uh, uh, and he and he I think he rationalized his pain that uh, this was the this was the price that he felt that he had to pay uh, you know for peace. Right, and. Uh, the, uh, uh, yeah, so, so he was stoic in in in, in that sense. Right. Uh, and all those um, all those uh, things that he dealt with, uh, it would make some kind of sense that Doctor Shaw might want to spare him the embarrassment of having this exactly. on the record. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. and and he uh, his uh, his life post war, and as you said, he 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 does recover. He spends uh, I think it's a, a few months in. Uh, hospital in Annapolis. He he has the surgery in January of 1865, as you say, in Philadelphia. He returns to the field. He presides over the surrender at Appomattox. Uh, his, his, yeah, his, his, his second magic bullet is, is actually just a few weeks after he returns from Philadelphia. And, you know, in late January, uh, I think it's at uh, uh, White Oak Road, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Fifth Corps is attempting to move around uh, 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 you know, Lee's uh, flank again, and uh, uh, the, uh, uh, his, his men are advancing on a Confederate position, and there's, uh, suddenly they realize that there's a, a strong Confederate force that they're up against, uh, and his men begin to break, break ranks and, and, and uh, retreat to you know, flee. Uh, the fighting on the field, so so his his battle line is is uh, collapsing, and so he rides out on his horse to try and rally his men, and uh, a Confederate uh, sharpshooter, possibly with a uh, uh, you know a very powerful uh, Wentworth uh, uh, you know British uh, uh, rifled uh, uh, musket, uh, uh, takes a bead on him and fires. Uh, and just as he fires, Chamberlain's horse kind of 
re- partially rears. So the bullet passes through the thick neck muscle of the horse, which probably slowed it considerably. Uh, it uh, hits him in the left arm, so he's probably uh, trying to control the horse, so his left arm, which is his bridle hand, uh, 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 his left arm is, is hit, the bullet passes uh, through the muscle of his uh, left arm, uh, and then hits him in the chest, just below the heart, but in his breast pocket of his uh, uh, his jacket, he's carrying uh, uh, a leather valise with with uh, uh, map and orders in uh, that he writes uh, uh, replies to orders in, uh, and the shaving mirror. Uh, so it it, uh, it hits the mirror and the this valise uh, uh, penetrates the skin at that point, and it's probably. Uh, you know, try to line him up. Uh, uh, it's not a direct uh, hit, uh, you know, from the front. It's it's probably an angled shot at that point. But it hits the rib, penetrates the chest wall, but doesn't uh, doesn't penetrate into the chest. Goes through the chest muscles. The bullet runs along the rib uh, and exits the back of his jacket near near the uh, the back seam. And his aide is kind of riding somewhat behind him. Uh, uh, and then the bullet exits him and hits his aide uh, in the, uh, his aide's got his pistol holstered, hits his aide in the pistol and kicks the aide out of his, off his horse. Uh, uh, Chamberlain slumps forward on, you know, on the horse for, he's knocked unconscious for a few seconds, you know, the, the blow of that, uh, 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 and then, and then recovers, uh, uh, and, What's described on the battlefield, uh, his men start to cheer when he, he recovers and he gains control of his horse, uh, which you know, which is which has you know, just been dancing around at that point, having been you know hit hit in the neck muscle. Uh, uh, his men start to cheer, and what's reported is many of the Confederates also start to cheer wow. that he's not been killed. Uh, uh, so, so in a sense, that's the second magic bullet. <laughs> and, and it's <laughs> so in- that. Uh, I mean, it's incredible that he goes on to live until yeah. 1914. He he dies as an 85 year old man. Um, yes. And I know that we you just talked about his his, his what his life was like. Uh, it, it, you know, from that wound at Petersburg on, and I think it's probably worth mentioning um, the. He gets elected as governor in Maine for four one-year terms. He is the yep. president of uh, of the college that he taught at, uh, Bowden College. Bowden College, yep. Uh, and but he but he does have a lot of financial issues in in his later uh, life. Yes, and he 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 yeah. receives a pension, but like so many um, soldiers, uh, particularly ones that were wounded, um, it's not enough. And I think he tries to get uh, a higher pension, but doesn't succeed. Right. He has a he has a thirty dollar a month pension, and he tried to get a twenty dollar a month raise to fifty dollars a month. Uh, but despite the, his you know his uh, wound and and what he's like afterwards, uh, uh, that was that was turned down. Uh, he, he he invested in orange groves in Tampa. <laughs> Uh, and lost his uh, lost his shirt on that. Uh, so mm-hmm. He was a little bit ahead of his uh, ahead of his times. Uh, uh, and he uh, uh, he took a position as uh, I think uh, a tax collector for the uh, uh, for the the, the uh, harbor in Bangor, Maine. You know, those were political palm jobs. Uh, uh, so he was, you know, that was one job that he had. Uh, uh, this was after I think he had been president of. Uh, of uh, Bowdoin, right. uh, I, gave, I gave a talk, I gave a Chamberlain talk one time at the Stone Fort in Schoharie, uh, uh, you know where uh, they have a they have a, a reenactment uh, of uh, an encampment every uh, every year or every couple years. And after the talk, a couple came up to me, and they uh, they they had a piece of paper that they gave me. Uh, uh, they had been to, to New York City, and they were. Uh, tracking down, they were doing a family history uh, of their family, uh, and uh, that brought them into, uh, I think it was the New York Public Library, 
where they were looking at uh, uh, directories to, to, to see uh, uh, the street that uh, their family member had, uh, had lived on. Uh, and then they began kind of browsing through, through the book. And uh, on the same street that their family member lived on was a hotel that had been a, uh, that was operated by uh, donations from Union Army officers, and it was a hotel uh, for uh, the use by uh, family and widows of Union officers killed in the war. Okay, uh, and they could stay there for free uh, while they were visiting New York City, uh, and. Uh, uh, and the library also had the, the register for the hotel. So they began looking through the register. And they came across a page. This is, now this is 1892. Uh, at, at, somewhere around this time, Chamberlain is estranged from his wife. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and no, no doubt some of that is, you know, is related to the, the nature of his uh, Excuse me, of his wound, and the fact that uh, uh, you know he he went back to war he, he, after that wound, uh, right, uh, right. much uh, much to uh, uh, her concern and the concern of his uh, of his parents, uh, uh, and so she registers there, and she writes in uh, she writes in her name uh, uh, Fanny Fanny Chamberlain, widow of. Uh, Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. So, wow. you know, to 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 her, he's dead. <laughs> oh wow! And, and so yeah. they, they, they so they, they 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 copied that for me, and so I, I have that. And, Boy, that's uh, That's just something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just uh, again just shows how tough his life must have uh, been, uh, and her her life um, after. Yeah, she she goes blind, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, he, he, uh, they, he, they, he, he always loved her, but uh, she fell out of love with him. But after she goes blind, uh, uh, he takes care of her the rest of her life. She, she predeceases him by about, uh, I think, it's about eight years. Right. Um, what does he die of? Um, I, I see the claim. I well, see it, the claim it, that he was the last war to die. Uh, the the last soldier, of the Civil War, to die of his wounds. Um, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I think I think that may be a that may be a reasonable claim. He's not the uh, he's not the last officer, the Union officer to die. I think that I think that turns out to be Albert Ames, uh, who uh, uh, actually commanded the sure. 20th Maine when when Chamberlain uh, Chamberlain was offered command of the 20th Maine from the beginning, but but he he was not a soldier at this point, and uh, went to Ames and. Chamberlain became the lieutenant colonel of the 20th May under Ames. <clears throat> I think it's Ames that will uh, be the last Union officer to die. But I, I think you're right. I think he, he may be the last uh, to die of his, uh, of his wounds. And that's in 1914. And, uh, 1914. Uh, he's 85. And it's listed as yep. uh, uh, sepsis, right? Or, or uh, um, the, uh, it, and essentially, was it an, effect, an infection of his wound that... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of, the, one of the recurrent infections, uh, and actually that anniversary is coming up. I think it was February twenty fourth. Yeah, twenty fourth. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. So uh, with that, uh, uh, Doctor Matt Farina, I want to thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating stuff. I mean, we all know uh, Chamberlain. Uh, it sounds like you had a fascination with him even before the movie. Of course, many of us oh, have yes. come to yes. <laughs> to uh, adore him uh, and, and Michael Shera's uh, take and then Jeff Daniels' uh, portrayal of him in the movie. But, um, you know, there's so much more, uh, as we just learned, than uh, Little Round Top in Gettysburg. So, um, if, if you, uh, one last point, sure. if you Google him and, and, his, and his wound, uh, there were uh, two urologists wrote a paper, several, uh, maybe about... Yeah, within the past ten years, there was an article uh, you know that was that was published, uh, and and you will see about uh, twenty different uh, things referring to Chamberlain uh, and and pelvic wounds uh, or Chamberlain and urethral wounds. It's 
it's it's the one article that's been ever been published, uh, and and uh, uh, they just uh, basically describe how his wound occurred, and uh, uh, again they they know no further information than than <laughs> than what I know. Uh, uh, they just describe. Uh, 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 reattachments being made, but but they don't know what reattachments right, they right, were. Right. <laughs> wow! Well, so, and... you know, so so they spend a lot of time, you know, kind of re, kind of researching it. Sure. It, it's it's just uh, read the first article and that's it. <laughs> well, and and there there's some hope that, like you said and and speculated earlier, that there is information that exists. And maybe one day yeah. we'll be able to uh, that that, to take that a look might at come it. out someday. Yeah, yeah. that certainly might. So uh, again, Doctor Matt Farina, Matt, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it uh, for uh, taking your time here and sharing this with us. Oh, you're welcome, Dave.